Peter understood that God said, I'm a respecter of no person. You guys are all the same underneath the foot of the cross. So Peter, eat with them. What I say is clean is clean. And so Peter was eaten with them until certain men came up from James. And then Peter, he got uncomfortable. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. In the book of Galatians, chapter 2, verses 11 through 21, closing out this chapter today, We're actually introducing the theme that we'll deal with in the next two chapters. Paul is going to get into a little, lot more detail on it in chapters three and four. But the introduction of being justified by faith. Now, we know over the last few weeks as we've been studying the book of Galatians that the issue concerning the church in uh, this region that they were at was that Judaizers came up from Jerusalem and And some of the passages here in our text today, coming from James. They're coming from the mother church. James is the head of the church. And so they're coming in the guise of having some authority. As I said last week, there's a guy up in Milwaukee somewhere, Pastor Lowell had called out to the school of ministry to ask about him because he came on the scene and said, I'm from California, I'm from Costa Mesa. I went to the School of Ministry, so Lowell said, great. And he called Pastor Carl, probably from the School of Ministry. He said, tell me about this guy. He said, we had to kick him out. And uh, so he's, he's out. He's from Costa Mesa. He's not lying. He did go to the School of Ministry, didn't finish. But the way he's putting on this pretense is that I'm here, I'm somebody, and the church needs to pay attention. And, and they came to the area of Galatia, these different regions and uh, churches there. And they were saying, you guys need to pay attention to us because, hey, we're from Jerusalem. James has sent us. And this is what they're telling us you need to do. The Gentiles who accepted Christ by faith alone, they were saying you need to add circumcision and the keeping of the Mosaic law to have true salvation. And... We have people today in our church system. It's not an issue of circumcision. That wouldn't be an issue here in the United States at all. But we do have people who will come in and say, you know what? Unless you're doing it this way, you're not really saved. Unless you're just like me, basically, is what they're saying. I will set the example for you. 
the Judaizers were doing that. And Paul's just been laying out this argument over the last few weeks. To do this successfully, they had to attack Paul's apostleship. And so they were saying, you know what? He's kind of a self-proclaimed apostle. He's really not one of them. So last week, we saw that Paul had taken a second visit to Jerusalem, and he met with James, Peter, and John, and he said, guys, this is what I'm sharing with the Gentiles. And he said they didn't even compel uh, Titus to be circumcised. So he brought a Gentile with him, and if he would have been preaching the wrong gospel, the wrong message, then they would have said, you know what, your sidekick there, Titus, he needs to be circumcised. He said, but that didn't happen. He said, in fact, they gave me the right hand of fellowship and said that me and Barnabas should go and be the apostles to the Gentiles and we the apostles to the Jews. But they had a common faith in a common Savior, realizing that Our salvation comes through faith in God alone and no other. And no other means and no other ways. And so today, as he brings us into a different story now, he's already told us that he's been to Jerusalem a couple of times in uh, chapter 1 and chapter 2. Now he tells about Peter who came to visit him where he was at in Antioch. And he said, but when Peter, verse 11, had come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. For certain men came from James. Before they came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. And the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him so that even Barnabas was carried away by their hypocrisy. It's not amazing to me that at this point that Peter didn't stand firm, but it is amazing to me that Barnabas was swept away in this whole thing, because Barnabas, from early on, we are introduced to him, I think, at the very tail end of Acts chapter 4 and then Acts chapter 5. It really sets up Acts chapter 5, because in Acts chapter 5, we have the church selling possessions and sharing, the first guy that's noted about doing this is Barnabas, and his name, they nicknamed him the son of encouragement. Barnabas just had this way of encouraging people. I know there are a lot of people, there are some people that I've been around, they have a way of discouraging me. And when I find people that have a way of discouraging me, I find that I also don't like to hang out with those people. But if I find people who like to lift me up and encourage me, not to lift me up in pride in that uh, way or any sense, but in ministry, I like hanging out with people that encourages me in my ministry. Right now, I have, um, I last couple of weeks briefly mentioned, but a couple of my friends that I went to the school of ministry with, they just got back uh, this weekend, Sunday. They'll be sharing in their pulpits. One's a missionary in Poland. The other one is a pastor out in California. But they're going to be telling about their mission trip to Cambodia and their week of training uh, pastors there, trying to encourage them to teach through the Bible verse by verse. I got an email from Pastor Jeff and Pastor Kurt, but Pastor Jeff just a couple of days ago, and he said, our week did not go as planned at all. He said, but I think for the very first time, 
I think I know what the Lord means to be ready in season and out of season. And, and they taught through, not the way they had planned, but they taught through four books of the Bible. And they were hoping that the pastors would just get that, that desire to teach their people through the word of God, verse by verse. And you know what? That excites me. It makes me want to go somewhere and, and do something. And, you know, just things like that, it encourages me. Getting together um, next week at ShareFest. Those kinds of events can be very encouraging to a body of believers. You can discover that you have gifts and talents that you maybe never knew you had. But you'll discover as you begin to do that God can open doors of ministry for you. And so the church together, Peter's there. He's, he's fellowshipping with the Gentiles. In reality, probably the only way that you could tell that the Jews were Jews maybe was because of their dress. They dressed differently. But at this occasion, initially, before the Jews came up from Jerusalem, they were eating together communing together at the table. This was a big deal in those days because they did double dip. In fact, they didn't have forks and knives and spoons. Everything was by hand. And they realized that everybody's hands were, was getting in the same food and you were all eating from common bowls, common dishes. And it was just acceptable. But what wasn't acceptable for a Jew in their customs, in their traditions, was to eat with a Gentile or one who had been defiled because they said, if you eat with such a person, that person will also defile you. And so Peter understood that God said, I'm a respecter of no person. You guys are all the same underneath the foot of the cross. So Peter, eat with them. What I say is clean is clean. And so Peter was eating with them until certain men came up from James. And then Peter, he got uncomfortable. It was probably one of those looks that in the beginning. And, and this really amazes me that Peter would even get uncomfortable because if you know the story of Peter and the disciples when they walked with Jesus, it was usually the disciples of Jesus getting condemned by the Pharisees because they ate with unwashed hands or they picked some just some minor grain of food just to nibble on on the Sabbath day, but it was considered as harvesting. And, and they were not fasting like the other Pharisees and John's disciples had done. And it was usually Peter and his crew that was getting condemned by the religious people. And now Peter is being withdrawn because of these same people. And he's withdrawing from the Gentiles. And the other Jews who were with them stepped back. Then even Barnabas, the one who was that son of encouragement, he just got people to want to do things. And, and he even was the one that originally got Saul. When Saul came down to Jerusalem the very first time, the church wanted nothing to do with him. And, you know, we probably would be frightened too. Paul was the one who was putting people to death. I had a pastor once that was part of a, a church that Lily and I went to, but he said he used to do a, a Tuesday night Bible study at a prison out in California. 
And he said, Charles Manson used to come to my Bible study. And he said, the guy would freak me out. <laughs> just his stare, his look. He said, it, it would just unnerve me. But he used to come to his Bible study. And we could kind of understand how people could be uncomfortable. And when Paul first came to Jerusalem, it was Barnabas who said, hey, the guy's all right. And the church accepted him at that time, but then sent him off and said, you know what, it'd be better if you kind of separated yourself for a while. But then when Barnabas went up to Antioch and realized that there was more work there and I needed an assistant pastor, Scripture tells us he went and got Saul, Paul, and brought him back down and they served there for a year and a half. This was all before uh, the missionary journey that they would go on. So Barnabas was that son of encouragement, the guy who initially brought Paul alongside in Jerusalem and then brought him alongside in ministry, and he even pulls back from the table. And in verse 14, it tells us, But when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, that straightforward is simply a Greek word that means that you are on a straight path. No detours. You're walking that narrow road. He says, when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all, if you being a Jew live in the manner of Gentiles and not as the Jews, why do you compel Gentiles to live as Jews? So Paul got into Peter's face. Now, he didn't do it privately. We would think that, you know, show a little respect. Peter is the Pope, you know, the first one. You don't. Anyways, we would think, show a little respect in this situation. But see, this was, he knew that this was a huge issue. And that if this didn't get resolved on the spot, it could have a splintering effect in the church from that day forward. What if the people didn't see Paul confront Peter? What if they didn't hear the testimony? Peter should have known better. By this time, Peter should have known better. And I'll, I'll give you some reasons why in a moment. But later on, Peter will write and confirm the very same things that Paul had to condemn him of on this day. That he was in the wrong. He won't write that I was in the wrong. He won't write about this situation. But he will write about the straightforwardness of the gospel, the truth of the gospel, and that we are justified in Christ alone and no others. See, Peter should have known better because Peter was the guy that the early church was birthed through in the sense of with the Gentiles, it's the Lord who called Peter to give testimony to the house of Cornelius. And initially, if you, you remember the story, it was that trance that Peter was in. Cornelius is in Caesarea. Cornelius in Caesarea. Peter in Joppa. And the angel meets Cornelius as he's worshiping and praying the Lord. But a Gentile, he was a good man, but he didn't have Jesus and he needed to know about Jesus. So an angel's ministering to Cornelius, and he says, send for Peter. He's in Joppa. He's on the street called Straight, and he will tell you what you need to do. So he did that. And while those guys were coming to pick up Peter, Peter didn't know he was getting picked up. But while they were coming to get him, Peter was waiting for lunch to be served. 
and fell into this trance, and God gave him this vision three times and said to him, it's found in Acts chapter 10, verse 13 is where I'm going to begin to read. It says, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I've never eaten anything common or unclean. Peter was basically saying, I'm a good Jew, Lord, and there are some unclean things in that big sheet that you're showing me. I can't eat that stuff. And the voice spoke to him a, a second time and a third time. And God said, each time what God has cleansed, you must not call common. And then the vision went away. The guys showed up. Peter went with them. And so when he walked in the door and he saw the Gentiles were gathered there, he said, I perceive that God shows no partiality, that we are all one when it comes to the foot of the cross. Peter should have known better. He even got called on the carpet when he got back from Jerusalem from ministering with uh, Cornelius. Now, he did a smart thing. He brought some Jews with him. So he wasn't just his word on this thing. But when he got back to Jerusalem, it tells us, in Acts 11:2, that those of the circumcision contended with Peter, saying, you went into a circumcised man's house and ate with them? Now, when Peter stepped in that door the very first time, he said, I have never been in a Gentile's house before. So just his foot going over the threshold was a big deal. But now we learn that not only... Did he go into the house, share Christ with them, baptize them? He ate with them. He fellowshiped with them. And Peter recounted the whole story to them. Uh, much of what I've just told you, but in verse 15, he says, As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them as upon us at the beginning. And then he said, I remembered the words of the Lord, the work of the Holy Spirit right there working in Peter's life. It's as Peter was there, he was obedient to the word of the Lord. And this is how you may say that, you know, I just don't know how the Lord's working in my life. I don't know how the Spirit's working in my life. Let me encourage you that oftentimes we discover that through obedience. See, if Peter wouldn't have went with the men and got to Caesarea, got into the house of Cornelius, then he wouldn't have saw what was taking place while he was preaching the gospel. And he said, while I was preaching the gospel to them, he didn't even do an invitation. The Spirit came down on them. And then he said, I remembered the words of the Lord. Now, Scripture tells us in John 14, 26, one of the works of the Holy Spirit in our life is to bring to remembrance those things which Jesus told or spoke about. And he said, I remember these words. This is what Jesus said. John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If therefore God gave them the same gift as he has given us, when we believed on the Lord Jesus, who was I that I should withstand God? But when Peter withdrew from this table there in that church in Antioch, he was in a sense withstanding against God because he was no longer recognizing the same faith, the same gift that these Gentile believers had in Jesus Christ. And so they were not straightforward with the gospel. Peter should have known better. But he said, you being a Jew, living in the manner of the Gentiles. Let's, I know a few Jewish friends, and, and uh, it's funny because a lot of times they're kind of kosher. Well, kind of kosher may be the right way to describe them. They're kosher to a point. But in some areas, they're not. 
It's you being a Jew living in the manner of the Gentiles. They, you know, they were advertising in Israel. It's funny because according to the word of God, the pig is one of the uh, meats. And by the way, we have a big ham downstairs. We're not, we're not kosher today. Um, but that's one of the meats that you don't eat. So just in modern day history, they're trying to figure out what makes swine unclean. And so they are raising, not all Jews will eat it, but they are raising in Israel swine that if they're raised on concrete, never touch the dirt, then you can have clean swine. (laughs) So they've figured out a way around the law of God that they can have a barbecue sandwich, barbecue pork sandwich too. Uh, They serve it there, not all would eat. But there are some who are kind of, we're living like, the Gentiles, but we're wanting the Gentiles to live like us, and we can't even do it. And so in verse 15, he says, We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ, and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law, no flesh will be or shall be justified. Now, this is one of the themes of the book of Galatians is justification by faith. But it's here in verse 16 that that word, the first time it appears in this book, as I said earlier, he's going he's gonna to spend two chapters, chapters three and four, talking about what it means to be justified by faith. One of the easy definitions, I guess I could say, of justification would be this. Just remember this. You think about justification. Think about this. From God's perspective, through faith in Jesus Christ, it's just as if you had never sinned. It's really a legal term saying that you have been justified. You know, you got to stand before a judge, before a court, and uh, the judge lets you off. No charges. You're free. The court that we will all one day stand before is the court of God. And through Jesus Christ, he will look at us just as though you've never sinned. Because we've been forgiven through faith in Jesus Christ. I hope that uh, you know Christ as your Savior. I hope that you're not banking on anything that mom and dad did for you when you were a child. Being a believer in Jesus Christ is an active relationship. To be a true believer in Jesus Christ, it's nothing that others can do for you. Only Christ has done the work. Mom and dad can't do it for you. Family history, family name means nothing. Only if you know Jesus. And I hope that you have accepted him as your Savior. And so we live for Christ, to serve him. He is our Lord. He is our Savior. And if we try to live for glory of our own self, try to live for the works, saying, look at what I have accomplished, then we have set aside the grace of God. And we've set aside the work that Jesus did on the cross for you and for me. Father, I thank you for this morning. And for the word that you've allowed us to go through, Lord, and just this exciting book, this epistle in the Bible, where Paul is just 
telling us that we have liberty, we have freedom in Christ Jesus, that we have been justified by faith. But he's also dealing with issues that are so common for us today. We can get distracted, we can get taken off the wrong path, and we can get to where we're no longer straightforward about the gospel of Jesus Christ in our own lives. And Lord, I pray two things here as I close. One, that if there's anyone here today that has never accepted you as their Savior, or their walk and their relationship has been off track and they know it, Lord, that they would get that right um, before they leave this house today. And number two, Lord, I pray by taking us through this epistle over these next few weeks, Lord, that you would be continually showing us where we should be in our walk and our relationship with you. And Lord, by the time we get through chapters 5 and chapter 6, Lord, that you would just help us to understand and know what it means to be led by the Spirit and not by the flesh. I pray, Lord, that you would work in our hearts and our lives. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today. Let God.